The Redneck Tech Podcast is brought to you by Mike'sArchery.com. They're a one-stop shop for virtually everything archery, bow hunting, and for your next outdoor adventure. Mike's Archery has been at the top of the archery game for over 50 years, and they want to give listeners of the Redneck Tech Podcast 10% off their entire online store using the code REDNECK10, all one word. Just put the code in before you check out, and your boys will hook you up. The guys at Mike's have always been good to us, and now they can be good to you too. Visit mikesarchery.com and get your gear now. Right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want it? Yeah. All right, we're back. I have no idea what the number of this podcast is because I didn't look it up before we started. But I've got the one and only Casey Shootman in here with me. What's up, buddy? Not much. Trying to wake up. Well, we're obviously more mature, smarter, and tougher than the rest of my crew because they're still in the bed. <laughs> they're still, like, licking their wounds, which I don't know if you saw, but, like, I just posted them doing karaoke la- – or them. Oh, boy. Clay doing karaoke last night. Oh, yeah, you've got to see this. It's I- great. So look at, look at this idiot. And Clay doesn't drink, so yeah, he is getting after it. Oh, he's getting down. Oh yeah, and then there's another one, another song, and then they go to a bar and like they're all head banging, and that, just, that was five hours ago. So went in Rome, but <laughs> yeah, I guess so. You know, but I've been, um, I've been kind of happy with myself. I've grown up a little bit, I guess. I didn't, I haven't been downtown yet, so I try not to. Yeah. I was in bed by ten last night and the night before. Yeah. 9.45. We went to an interesting uh, eating joint last night. That oh, was, gosh. My wife, we got back to the hotel room. My wife said, that was the weirdest restaurant <laughs> I've ever been to <laughs> it in It was. My life. I told Ryer about it because, you know, he's, you know, all Viking and German thing. And I'm like, was it? He had been on the tables. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he would have had a kilt on full on. Yeah. He'd all have, that good stuff. He'd have had the meter worst. Mm-hmm. He would have had a couple <laughs> of those big things of beer just because that's who Ryer is. But. Anyway, how are you, dude? I'm great. How's Busy. life? I don't know which way's up, down, yeah. sideways. Never know what day of the week it is. Well, you know, everybody I know that's a good person, that's how they are right now. They're so busy. They're so nine thousand miles an hour. Don't know which day. Like what day? Like what's today? Saturday? Is it Saturday today? Is it Sunday yes. today? It is Saturday. I do know that because it's the last day of the show. So okay, yes. Yeah, so it is the last day of the show. You will hear goose calls. You will hear a PA announcer at some point during this podcast, but. Um, I wanted Casey to come over and talk because, first of all, we don't get to spend near n- enough time together. I know. Um, you being in Illinois and all over and me being in Georgia and all over, we don't get to cross paths near as much as we'd like. But um, I want to talk to you about your transition over the last, what, two years to running the R5 almost exclusively. Yes. Yeah. So what were you running before that? And then and then let's talk about how much you love that camera now. So I've, I've been on the, the – the limited budget train for basically all of my life. <laughs> You've uh, been doing this longer than I have. Yeah. You've uh, been I, doing this since what, I, when? Uh, 04. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, a lot longer than Actually, me. Actually, yeah. So, professionally, I guess you would say, quote, quote, you know, in this yeah. realm since 04. But I started when I was in high school. Yeah. Me and a buddy bought a camera. Again yeah, yeah, yeah. From Walmart. I'll never forget that. But, uh, yeah, I've we, we've always been the limited budget guy, and, and I've always been a believer in if you're the guy that can figure out how to run and utilize the equipment that you have, yeah. you can be better than guys that spend 
$40,000 on a camera set. If you know what you're doing, you know how to tell a story, and you can execute exactly. and work hard, you yep. can tell a great story no matter what. It's going to be an yeah. iPhone. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you a secret, and it's kind of embarrassing. But I've only had, since, since the DSLR, mm-hmm. you know, the cinematic-type cameras have come about, I've only had three of those type cameras. And well, your first one was a T3i, T3i, wasn't it? T3i. Oh, and you ran that for a long time. Yeah, How many I, miles do you think that thing had on it? I don't know, but <laughs> I finally kind of killed it when I left it out in a rainstorm, and I got out there the next day. We were working on trapping stuff, and it was sitting in a two-inch puddle. Mm. It still worked. I dried it out. If it's fresh water, dude, you can just about <laughs> save anything. It's yeah. incredible, but salt water, you might as well t- toss yep. it. It's not coming back. No, I went from a T3i to a, a D80 or ADD, Canon ADD. Ran that for several years. That was a great camera. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm running the, the Canon R5 and, um, you know, got into doing a little more freelance work along with, with what I normally do with TMA. And I said, you know what, I'm going to spend the money. Yeah. And it was just kind of a, uh, I guess you'd call it a, what do you, what do you call it? It's too early in the morning. Impulse buy. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. Yeah. And I bought everything online, and, I, of course, I consulted with you about mm-hmm. what lenses and everything. And when I hit the buy it now button, I about puked. <laughs> but when I look back, it's worth it, it. It's the best investment I've ever made as far as, you know, my business. And, and it gives you a reputation of having and building something that's, yeah. that's really good. And yeah. It, um, so you've been with... TMA since 2004. Correct. So that's the management advantage, and you've seen. Let's let's go down that road first before we start talking about the R5. <laughs> you have seen the industry go from the only thing that there was is if you didn't have a TV show, you didn't really exist. To now, y'all are completely a web, social media based platform. So Correct. take me through that roller coaster ride. Oh man, um, yeah. When we first started, I was running a. XL1. Oh, God. Canon XL1. Oh, yeah. I know that camera. Boat anchor, bud. Yep. And, yeah, we were, we, we didn't even have Final Cut Pro or mm-hmm. Adobe Premiere Pro. What were you editing on? Um, I can't even remember the <laughs> software. We, we had this, like, system, mm-hmm. and it had, had a mouse with, like, a big ball on it. Oh, yeah. And we had to insert tapes into a, a deck, play them back. I had to label everything. Um, but I would record off of that tape into this machine certain clips. And you couldn't name them on this machine. It was just a timeline, basically like what we're running now in Premiere Pro. And you would just lay these clips in an order. So everything's hard cut. So there's no options for anything else. Yes. <laughs> and so we would lay this, you know, hours and hours and hours of footage mm-hmm. in a timeline, kind of in a sequence of how we wanted our 30-minute show to go. Mm-hmm. Extremely rough cut. Mm-hmm. Raw footage. Mm-hmm. Laid on a timeline. It'd be like if you took all your clips that you film with an R5, and just laid them all on the timeline. And just that pray it sounds good and looks good. And then we, would, we took it to a, to a production facility mm-hmm. and had a guy sit there and edit it down and add graphics. I got you. And that was a, it'd take a week to sit there and, and edit a 30-minute show. Oh, my gosh. And you'd have to tell somebody else how to do it. Yeah. And I did that for, I don't know, we did that for, I don't know, five or six years. And I was learning. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. I was just being a sponge. Mm-hmm. And uh, we finally ended up buying a macbook pro and final cut learned how to run that and it's that's back in the mini dv tape days too isn't it oh yeah having to capture tapes every time yeah. you shot oh yeah i had to do that in my first couple of years i don't miss that at all time codes and yeah yeah the only one. the only good thing that came with tapes is if you jack something up you could just recapture the tape like yeah. if you accidentally deleted something it's like, well the tape's there recapture the tape yeah 
you know, now it's like you delete something, it's going to cost you money to get it back or you ain't getting it back. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, now now it's obviously transitioned to everything's digital, and now, you know, we still do TV. You guys don't. And how how's that been? I, I love it because we don't have, you know, certain time slots we have to fit stuff into. Mm-hmm. I can make a show however long I want to. I think to. it makes it more creative for, for partners and sponsors, too, because you can exactly. diversify what you do. You can deliver, you know, you're not just delivering a 30-minute episode that yeah. gets viewed on your air week three or four times, and then yeah. it's just gone yep. into the ether you know that's yep. that's always what killed me about you know when we did mainly tv is you know you work you shoot the show for a week to 10 days depending on what kind of hunt it is and then you bring it back you cut on it and finish it for two weeks you got minimum three weeks in this 22 and a half minutes of content with mm-hmm. commercials and graphics and then people watch it for the 30 seconds you kill something and then that's it it's gone forever yeah to never be seen again yeah. in most respects because a lot of times the networks own it yeah. and you don't te- yep. you own the raw footage but you don't own the finished product and uh that was just so disheartening it's like hey man that was big deer lee killed and it's like you, you didn't watch the rest of the show mm-hmm. like there was 30 other minutes that you didn't watch mm-hmm. and that's just as a creative which i know you know this oh, yeah. it's so disheartening to see that after all the time and effort and money and work and money Oh, that's yeah. put into that. I mean, TV shows are crazy, crazy expensive. But this whole web thing, like we're starting, I say starting, we've been doing the YouTube thing for a couple of shows, and YouTube is still, in some regards, foreign to me. I just haven't spent the time figuring out the back end. The only thing I really know is, like, YouTube and, is you got to feed the beast. Yeah, I've, I probably need to figure out that backside more than I do now because they're throttling everything so oh, much. Oh, yeah. Well, anything that's right-wing, they're going to throttle, too. Um, that's what scares me. Yeah. It's pretty wild. But we went we went digital back in, I think, 2011. Oh, me and you had many conversations about this. Like, is that something that we need to do? Is that, you know, how is this going to affect us? Are sponsors still going to pay? I know you talked about it. I know I talked to Howard about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, was, and that was a freaking gutsy move in 2011. That was a trend-setting, oh. too. Yeah, well, we were forced to do it. Yeah. We're, we're a small producer, single guy, or, you know, single group of guys. We're not a big production house. And our air, I'll be totally honest, our airtime doubled in one year. Oh, yeah. They pretty much said. Oh, and now, they're, now they'll just about give it to you. Yeah, I bet. Oh, yeah. I mean, it went from uh, it went from around 150, 200 grand to now you can get the same air slots for under 50. Wow. So ours, we were paying like 88,000, I think yeah. was our what we were paying for several years, and it went to 190. Yeah. And they just pretty much said, well, buck up, pay it, or get out. And get out. They, that's what they wanted us yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were on the verge of closing TMA, like mm-hmm. just doing away with it. And After doing it for what What would that have been, six, seven, eight years now? Uh, it started in 02. Okay. So, yeah, I, almost I nine years. Yeah, yeah. Nine years. And, I mean, people liked it. It was still in the, you know, the, the baby stages of, of, you know, getting it to where it is now. Um, and I, you know, we're still not where where we want to be, mm-hmm. and we're always trying to grow our viewership. But you know, when when they did that, and we decided to go digital, it was a huge risk. Mm-hmm. But we were going to do it regardless. Yeah. We were going to build it organically. We've never done any advertising. Mm-hmm. That first month, we launched it. We actually launched it here in Nashville at the I think QDMA had a land management expo with mm-hmm. with somebody else. I can't remember who it was, but we did it here. Our first month, we had like fifty six hundred views on any video we had on our, on yeah, our yeah. channel and on our, on our website. And now we're, 
I don't, we're in the millions now. I, I don't even want to quote awesome. what we're what we're doing a year, but it's it's pretty impressive for for how we've built it. Um, but I don't think, and, and you can put it in perspective, is like to build a channel that gets millions of views. The amount of work that goes into that, and time, and planning, and effort, and you know, not not wash and repeat the same type of thing. How do we yeah. how do we tell this management story in a new creative way? How do we get new information? How do we use new gear, new tech, new, you know? Yeah, that's, I guess that's something I probably touch on more is like the the gear and the tech because I do a lot of solo filming Mm -hmm. and a lot of the show that, you know, I'm I'm filming, editing. A lot of times if I'm in front of the camera, I've got to have somebody else hold the camera. One man banding it a lot. It it can be a nightmare. Oh, yeah. I I really enjoy because we've got some really good team members that, you know, they're doing management projects, and if I can go to Tom's place or Stretch's place or yeah. wherever and film them, it's a relief to me because I don't have to do anything but produce the show. Yeah. And the ones that are the hardest for me is, like, during our deer season when I'm solo filming mm-hmm. and trying to condense down a, you know, a 30 days time period that I'm filming myself into an eight-minute show. That's, yeah. that's the hardest for yeah. me anyway. Yeah. Um, and then the trapping stuff, that's our that's probably our most watched stuff. Oh, that's my favorite stuff too. And that's I've got to go with you twice yeah. and like you're calling me all the time, Hey, can you go? Can you go on this? <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I wish I could go. I would I, honestly, even though, you know, whether I filmed it or not, I would just go just to ride along. Because yeah. that was dude, I tell people all the time, the one we did in Alabama is still to this day the most fun and the most I've ever learned in what was that, three days, four days? Yeah, it wasn't very long. And I'm like we didn't catch. I mean, those. Oh, I know you were disappointed. I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah. Those Alabama trips are. I mean, that's ADC work, so mm-hmm. we're we're obviously doing a different different deal than than fur trapping. But like, if you go to Western Kansas with me, I know you do tell me about that. Your mind will be blown. Well, here's the problem with Western Kansas. They don't have grape salad in I, Western Kansas. Oh well, I can get that recipe for you, bud. <laughs> I saw her. I saw her, <laughs> Chuck. Uh, the first day, and I hugged her neck and I introduced her to my wife. I'm like, I need that recipe because yeah. I need my wife to be that. She's like, you know, I haven't made that that often. Yeah. I'm like, well, I guess I need to come back to Alabama then. Mm-hmm. She's like, you come back, I'll make it. I'm like, you tell me when when and where, <laughs> I'm there. Uh, you go to Western Kansas, a bologna sandwich will taste like flame and yarn. Oh, I bet. I'll put you on the weight loss program right oh, there. Oh, yeah, I guarantee it. That's before dark to after dark. Mm-hmm. We killed 90 in five days this year. Golly, man, that's crazy. And it should have been 120 or 130. Yeah. Uh, we've got screwed up by the weather a little bit, but just a fun. I mean, that's ever since I was a little kid and learned how to trap, like you see these guys going out west, and it's just a, there's an aura about it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like, a romance, it's I like, think. It, it's 100% a romance. Yeah. And trapping in itself yeah. oh, is, 100%. Is, is a romance. Well, that's what me and you talked about because, you know, I was so, the first time I went with you, I knew basically nothing. Uh, I still know basically nothing, but I know more than I did then. But it was just so cool to see, like, what you, I think you said it the best. It's like, you know, I love deer hunting, but I'd rather make this, this yeah. coyote the most prolific land animal in North America, put his foot in this one-inch square. Yeah. That gives me more gratification than killing the 170. Absolutely. You know, and it's like, never thought about it that way. You're, you're tricking the smartest thing, mm-hmm. walking God's earth to his own demise. And you just got to make it to where he can't stand it. Yeah, they're greedy. That's yeah. all they are. Yeah, they're greedy. I like it. Yeah, you just got to get in their head. Um, what is uh, what some of the biggest challenges you think on the website? I've got my opinion on what I think the challenges are nowadays. What do you think the biggest challenges are right now to try and get content out and make it relevant and get people to watch it? Well, you're, the biggest challenge to me, I guess, would be 
um, you know, your enemy is YouTube and Facebook mm -hmm. and getting your stuff in front of people's eyes. Yeah. Because you, know, you can post something and you're like, what is going on here? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you've got to have the interaction with, you know, with viewers and people, you know, that are seeing it, commenting, liking, to get it thrown back into that algorithm and, and get it in front of eyeballs. But that's, to me, that's the biggest challenge mm -hmm. is, you know, fighting that machine. Yeah. I think it's, uh, my reason is similar to that, but mine is when we just did TV, it was simple. You did a 30-minute show, you delivered the show, and you were done. Yeah. Now it's like you deliver a TV show or a web show, and now you've got reels, you've got images, you've got Instagram, social, you know, yeah. Facebook, TikTok, you know, LinkedIn, if you're doing that. You've got the website stuff. You've got deliverables that the sponsors want for their socials. It's like it's not just a one and done. Like yeah. you can't – you used to could make everybody happy with a 30-minute show. Now the show is like we're going to go make the show yeah. as a byproduct of making all of this other stuff. Yeah. You know, and that's what kills me is like it's – and the competition and the just sheer amount of content out there. It's like how do I get what we're doing in front of not only eyeballs but the right eyeballs? Yeah. And it's, and it's like you're competing for, you're competing for half a second. As they're scrolling. Exactly. How do you stop? How do you get them to stop in a half second? Mm -hmm. And then not only how do you get them to stop, how do you get them to view your products, buy your products, yeah. subscribe to your channel, you know, all the things that if you don't get it, yeah. the sponsors stop paying. And then how do you do it to where you don't sell your soul? Yeah. That's what the, I talk about all the time. The crazy thing is we don't have anything to sell. Mm -hmm. like people ask us why we're at this show with a booth. Mm -hmm. Well, we're not selling anything. We're mm -hmm. just here to talk to people and educate. Mm -hmm. And the love of the education for what we do is, is key for us. It's the same on the Redneck and, Tech side for us. And I think that message kind of rings true with the viewers. Mm -hmm. You get a, you're not going to have, we're never going to have, you know, hundreds of millions of viewers and, and millions of subscribers on our show. We're going to have that core group of hardcore guys that we're inspiring. And then they're teaching their kids and it kind of just trickles out. Yeah. But I think that, I think, you know, how we present it, you know, our authenticity maybe shines through a little more than the guys that are just producing thousands of pieces of content and throwing out crazy stuff, yeah. you know, um, through socials. But that's one thing I can't stand is whenever one page throws out, like, five or six things a day. And yeah. it's just random stuff that, that may not even be their content. They're pulling it from well, somebody it's, else. Well, it's instead of getting everybody, you know, putting together one really thoughtful post or video, it's like, well, let's put out five and we'll get the same amount of views. As the one. Yeah, that's not me. Yeah, that same. That I can't, and me. I don't have time to post five times a day. No. I have to tell myself, oh, crap, have we done something today? Like I, and I have to go back and look. I'm like, yeah. did somebody post something? No, thank gummit. Now I got to go yeah. find something. Like, I hate social media. It's a necessary evil for what we do, but I hate it. That's where I struggle as far as, you know, I think one of the keys with social media is, you know, consistency. Mm -hmm. And I struggle with that because I get immersed in a project or I'll be gone for two weeks trapping coyotes in South Texas, and then I'm like, I'm so busy doing that that I don't have time to produce the, the content. And in terms the of the algorithm, time. you've fallen off the face of the earth because you haven't posted in two weeks. And it's like, well, you know, I have other things to do than yeah. feed this beast every day. And YouTube's the same way. It's like if you can't put out a video once a week, it's like, you know, what are you even doing? It's like, what's a week? And I'm not going to fall victim. No, I'm no. not going to be a slave to the machine. No. I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and I'm going to put it out there, and people are – gonna see it that, that want to see it and you know but I, I'm here's another thing too and this is i've talked about this like say you got a tv show and a web show side by side 
One's on YouTube, one's on TV. Well, you get the rent track numbers back for this TV show, and there's a million households watched it, a million eyeballs technically, mm-hmm. um, according to rent track. Oh, you know, that's good. Then right beside it's a YouTube show that had 100,000. Yeah. To me, the 100,000 is more valuable than the million. 100%. Because 100,000 people sought that out and clicked it and watched it because they wanted to. Especially on YouTube. Versus a million pretty much passive watchers mm-hmm. that didn't seek that out. Like, if those were a million people that DVR'd it and watched it, okay, yeah. that's a different story. What's, what is DVR anyway? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm showing my age now. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I think that – but now the web thing is, you know, you've got – you know, some really up-and-coming web platforms. I've also talked about that with some people. It's like, you know, when, when, the, when the guys that have been doing Realtree and Mossy Oak and, you know, the, the legacy shows that have been on for since 2000, early 2000s, when those guys have aged out, yeah. other than a, like two or three YouTube channels, there's nobody to take up that mantle now. Yeah. There's a huge opportunity for the right personality, the right content creators to come in. And I think that's what everybody's vying for. And the cream will rise to the top. Yeah. And that's happening. Um, you know, you're, if you're in the millions of views in the hunting space, you're doing something right. Yeah. Because there's not that many millions of hunters. You know, there's only, what is that, like 10 million hunters is like the estimated number. I don't know. You know, and then you talk about trapping and then land management. That's even smaller. Oh, way smaller. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's the niche of the niche. Yeah. So, but it's, it's, it's something that, I mean, if you figure that out, you got something. Yeah. So tell me about the R5. R5. So you got that win. I would have been, I think I've had it two years now. Mm-hmm. Right after it came I think I've had mine at right yeah. at two years. Yeah. Because I got mine just before yours, and you asked me how I like mine. I think it's how it got started, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Uh, the only thing I would do different is I would probably go ahead and get the RF lenses. See, I've... I've thought about that, too, but see, here's our problem. So what, what happened was I asked you what I should get, and you said go ahead and get the EF lenses. That way, if you need to use your, your ADD, mm-hmm. you can swap back and forth. I've not done it once. <laughs> <laughs> and it just adds a little more weight and a little extra yeah. length on your yeah, lens. Yeah. Um, and it would have been a little more. See, I'm, still running, lenses, the, I'm still running the standard lenses, too, just the yeah. EF lenses. Yeah. But, like, for me, I already have – and we're trying to – and I'm holding on strong to Canon – on the because I really run my R5 mainly for pictures. I don't run video on it a ton. See, I'm solo filming. Yeah. See, I yeah and, and yeah. That is kudos. A whole different world. Yeah. Kudos to you. Yeah. Um. But it hasn't cost me a deer yet. But see, like I'm I'm all the time looking at like well we run so we're running the FX6 as our our main video camera, which is all Sony glass. Yeah. And but then I've got a Canon mirrorless with Canon glass. And here's our PA announcer guy. But I've got, so I've got to carry two sets of glass everywhere I go. And it's like, if I was smart, I would just get a Sony mirrorless and have to carry half the weight. But I'm not very smart. I don't know. I like that Canon. I do, dude. I'm the same. I don't know. Especially especially for pictures. I love my Canon, which I'm like you. I started out with a Canon. That was the first thing I had in my hands for pictures. And and even video, mine was the 5D Mark uh, well, I had a T3i first for about a year and a half. Yeah. And then I bought a 5D Mark II, which yeah. I still have. Yeah. I wish I still have my 3.3i. It finally kicked the bucket, and it's on a shelf in my office. I, I've still got mine sitting I'd love, I'd love to have the shutter count off that camera. Yeah. Um, there's no telling how many it had on it. And just one day, it was 
I mean, right in the middle of working. And just what was the jailbreak thing for the T3i? Oh, it was called um, Magic Lantern. Yeah. Mine had Magic Lantern on it. Mine did too. Oh, yeah. Because there's no telling how many time lapses I shot Same. With that. That's mine. The I'd meeting. leave it out all night. It'd get wet and dry and dewed on and, oh, wet, yeah. you know, rained on and bring it back, dry it off, and it keep on the, running. It was the Honda Foreman of the camera world. 100%. It was like a war wagon. Dude, my, my R5, so I ran a, um, I went to Winter Strong last weekend, and we did a, they did like a, a 22 station like race where you like had to do workouts and shoot a bow and then like a really cool competition it's like timed mm-hmm. and i was like i got the bright idea i was going to follow some of my buddies that were in a group and they ended up winning and it was pouring i'm like there's no way i'm going to keep this camera dry so i'm like screw it i'm just going to run no cover no nothing ran the whole time Cameron never missed a beat yeah. could keep my lens clean yeah so it looks like you're in a rainstorm the whole time but mm-hmm. Never missed a beat. Pouring the entire time. I just slung it over my shoulder, and I'd take off running behind him and stop and pull it out, try and wipe my lens off real quick and start filming again and run around, yeah. drop it to my side and take off running again. But, yeah, I mean, those things are freaking bomb-proof, man. Oh, yeah. I've had – I've put my – which I know you have too, put them in situations they're not supposed to be in. Oh, yeah. Which nothing that we use is supposed to be in the situation we put them in. If, which, I, if I took mine out of my ca- – I've got a blue condor cage mm-hmm. and top handle and external monitor and all that. If I took it out of the cage, you probably wouldn't see many scratches on it. Yeah. It's dirty. Oh, mine's mine's trashed. But all my stuff's trashed though. Yeah. Yeah, my yeah, it, it drives people that I'm on shoots with crazy, like, dude, you are rough on your stuff. I'm like Oh yeah. I am. You got if, 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 if it. it's not gonna live up to this, then I gotta find something else that will. That's exactly right. You know, and I, I mean I it stays in a pelican case when it's not in use, but yeah. it's rode in the floorboard of the truck many yeah. a times, you oh, know, yeah. in between, you know, between three states chasing turkeys is like we got to go throw it in the truck let's go yeah um but uh you what's what's kind of been your favorite thing about it the versatility and um i don't know it just has a look mm-hmm. like I, from day one of running a camera i've always tried to tell people that you know when you're telling a story or running a camera i try to i try to you know put into video what i'm seeing with your eye yeah and that's Impossible, because mm. I mean, you think about that—that that goes pretty deep. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just the versatility of that camera is has been great. Um, lighting conditions, all lighting conditions—you can film in basically whatever. Battery life's great. Um, Flip-out screen. It's it's bomb-proof. Takes great images. It's yeah. It's a great, great camera. I haven't ran the R6 much. I've heard great things on the photo side. I've heard not so great things on the video side. Um, but I haven't ran it. That's kind of like the baby brother to the R5. Yeah, I think it yeah. came out afterwards. I I utilize the 4K120 a bunch mm-hmm. in what I'm doing as far as, you know, if we're filming a, a management project and doing some some action-type stuff because I can I can stretch that, that clip of video out if I need yeah. you know, more time with that 4K120. Do you, shoot, do you shoot in a picture profile or just a standard profile? Standard. Standard, yeah, I'm, I'm the same. Yeah, that, I've ran it with Dudley a couple times on hunts. I just... I've gotten so used to running a big camera, I just hate, which I don't have a cage or a top panel, and that's probably why there's just the ergonomics aren't yeah. there. Um, and if I did all that and, and rigged mine out, it wouldn't be so bad, but yeah. that's the whole reason he wanted me to run it just because of how the small the footprint is. But it's just going from that to an FX6, it's just it's not laid out for video as well as that FX6 is, and it, I fumble with it yeah. for a little while. And see, I'm, I'm used to running Oh, yeah. Well, if you run it every day. It's in my hand. And that camera has got an incredible stabilizer in mm-hmm. it. And they, so the new one is the R5C. Mm-hmm. They took that out of it. 
Why would they do that? I guess they geared it toward more, more toward picture taking no. than video. Well, I guess that would make sense. But that's one of the best things. I mean, with that top handle on it, you can run with it. Have you shot a whole lot of 8K with it? A little bit. A little not bit. a lot. Not how a lot. Did, how did that MacBook like that? Uh, my big computer handles it fine. Really? My old MacBook doesn't like it. But <laughs> um, it's it's smaller files, I think, than the 4K120. Really? Yeah. Is it re- like? Because it's filming 30 frames. Oh, okay. Well, it's, and it's, I'm assuming it's super compressed. I don't know. Um, I'd have to go back and look. I know I filmed a turkey hunt last year in Iowa, or two years ago. First year I got it, I filmed with it an 8K turkey hunt. Mm-hmm. And I was, then you pull a 4K clip up next to it, and you're like, whoa. <laughs> you didn't think it could get clearer, but mm-hmm. I mean, you can, you're looking at It's weird. Like, in, even in, with a 70 to 200 lens, the turkey's out there at 30 yards. He's not filming the frame, but you can still see him blink his eyes. Oh, yeah. And bugs buzzing around his yeah. head. It's nuts. All the tiny feathers fly off his neck when you shoot him. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. So you do a lot of drone work, too. What drone are you running right now? I'm running a Mavic 3 Classic. Um, That's what I've got. I went with the Classic because I didn't need the two lenses. Mm-hmm. And they kind of they turned it back into what it needed to be, I think. I don't that, like that drone two, is incredible. Oh, my God. 46 minutes. Yeah. Um, clarity. I've, I've, I filmed some stuff a couple weeks ago in the 5K, and it's not a lot better than... I've been running mine in 2.7. Really? Yeah, because sometimes I want a little crop room, and then sometimes I don't, and I swear it looks better. I mean, maybe it's just me or my eyes or something, but Hmm. I've stopped shooting in the 4K, and I stopped shooting in 1080. I've been shooting in that 2.7, and that gives you, I think it comes in at like 74 on your, um, like 74% is what it comes in as, and then you can zoom into 100, and it still looks really good. Wow. Um, I, I actually... I can't take credit for that. I saw that somewhere, and I don't remember where. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. And no, it doesn't make sense. Hmm. And, and, and and I could be completely wrong too, because that's not that's not something I dive. I don't nerd out on is codecs and frame rates and bit rates like this. Like, does it look really good? You know, are the viewers going to know the difference? No. Like yeah. that's kind of where I stand. Like I'm not shooting. I'm not shooting a feature link documentary for netflix yet yeah. i mean when i get there then i'll hire somebody that knows all that stuff yeah you know i'm i want to be on the creative side of it you know more now than anything but yeah yeah um i got i just got the dji avada too what's that one it's a fpv oh yeah you told me about and that you wear the goggles it's got a hand controller what's the flight time on it it's only like 18 minutes oh okay so you you know you obviously got to get the fly more package all that mm-hmm. but it's fun mm-hmm. and it's weird because you're wearing the goggles and you're seeing live what the you know what the camera's seeing through the drone, and it doesn't look usable as a producer mm-hmm. standpoint of you, and it like worries you because you're wearing the goggles and, and it's shaking like the video is shaking side to side, but it's it's your head moving with the goggles. Oh, so it's okay. Really, really weird. But you plug it into the computer and you're like, whoa, this camera fits in the palm of your hand. Yeah. Or the whole drone does. Yeah. The camera's the size of a small head. I don't know. I mean size of a golf ball mm-hmm. and 4k 60 frames flying at 60 mile an hour <laughs> 60 miles like the other day i was i filmed i shot i might have showed you the video last night um, you showed me one through the cars i didn't see any of the other ones yeah i was filming a, a classic car video for you know just a marketing tool deal and i was flying through the windows of three hundred thousand dollar cars and you got bigger like, balls than me yeah, i was like i cannot watch how how <laughs> like how rugged is that drone like if you were to take off through a field and do something crazy and hit a limb and it falls 60 feet like is it so that that drone has uh, prop protectors on it like i said it fits in the palm of your hand and the um 
the props are like the size of a silver dollar. Really? And they're completely encased. Hmm. And the first time I flew it, I flew it through a tree. Like a, it was probably a 20-foot-tall, like, cherry tree, and it had a bunch of those fine, small limbs. Mm-hmm. I accidentally went through the middle of it, mm-hmm. and it went and buzzed right through it. No crap. I was like, holy crap. Did I tell you about the hawk that stole my Mavic 2 in Kansas two years ago? Did I tell you about it, one, one that did it to me in oh, o- yeah. October? I remember you telling me that now. I, You're like, same thing happened to me, dog. <laughs> I immediately called you, and yeah. I said, uh, well, the, we're the only two people that's had this happen in the yeah. country. Oh, yeah. I'll never forget it. He ripped the battery off of mine. I don't know if he ripped the battery off mine, but when I got to it, the battery wasn't in it anymore. Yeah, because I, I was flying it, and all of a sudden the drone flipped sideways and, like, turned totally sideways. That's exactly what mine did. And then it went back to hovering. And I was like. I never went back to hovering. I'm, like, I'm get, getting a shot of the truck. Go, like, I'm behind the truck going down this dirt road in Kansas, and it all of a sudden just goes. It just takes off. I'm like, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. And then I look, and there's a hawk, and there's my drone in the grass. Well, he hit mine, like. He hit it full bore. And mine did, attacked mine. And, and he didn't grab it. And it flew, flew sideways, mm-hmm. stopped hovered, and I was like, well, that was weird. I thought it was a glitch. Mm-hmm. So I started flying it again, and then he grabbed it from behind and tried to take off, and all I could see was the wings mm-hmm. flapping in front of the camera lens. And then he ripped the battery off. drone fell out of the sky, and he took the battery. <laughs> well, I, mine, I thought a whole arm was ripped off. The battery was ripped out. And I thought the gimbal was surely jacked up. I thought it was just a total loss. And, right. like, I was like, it's, to- it's toast. Well, I tried to file an insurance claim on it. And they're like, well, have you got an estimate to fix it? I'm like, dude, you're not fixing this drone. Like, that's my feeble mind. Well, he's like, you got to get an estimate. So there's a drone repair guy not far from us. So I packaged it up, sent it to dude, thinking, I just need you to tell me this is a total loss so I can get an insurance claim. Yeah. And he goes, oh, no, I can fix it for, like, 300 bucks. I'm like, what? So, yeah, 300 bucks, that would be brand new. I was like, fix it then. That's way better than an insurance claim. Yeah. And then, yeah, Rar's still flying that sucker. Coming in. Yeah. He's, uh, he's still flying it, and uh, it's ain't got any problems with it. Yeah. So, but that yeah. one, that one's got some miles on it, too. Yeah, the, so the first one, well, I, that one that got attacked by the Hawk I had was a Mavic 2 Pro, and I had, I think I looked at the flight log. I had, like, 1.8 million miles on that thing. 1.8 million it miles or feet? Nuts. 8 million miles or feet? I don't remember. It can't be miles. Maybe it was meters. It, yeah, it was meters. I, I, that makes sense. 1.8 million meters. Okay. And I've only had it like a year and a half, Have but you, I do a bunch of real estate Do stuff. you follow that guy that does the, the uh, on TikTok that does the thermal deer recovery? Yeah. He had 4 million meters in three months? Yeah. That's, I, pretty that's flying. Yeah. Have you seen the ones that spray the fields mm-hmm. that is picking the guy up? Mm-hmm. Holy crap. Yeah, those are pretty neat. Yeah. I've thought about getting into that a little bit. but DJI's got it figured out, man. There's still The technology still isn't there to, for it to be profitable in my mind as far as the owner the, of it. The, well, I, I think it would, I, for a smaller field, I don't know about wearing, the big fields, but. Well, yeah, look, look where I live. I mean, we're spraying, yeah. you know, hundreds. Of, you, you would have to spray hundreds of acres a day for it to be feasible. And then you're wearing out a drone in the meantime. But do they wear out? Those do. Absolutely. I guess with that much weight on them. I think a battery for that thing is like five grand. One battery. How much is the whole drone? Because it's like call for price. And I'm like, yeah, it's too much if I got to call for the price. I think it's like around 40 grand Woo. for the good, for the one year. Well, that's a hell of a lot cheaper than a tractor hiring a freaking crop, crop duster. Yeah, sort of. It, eventually, it'll get to where it's feasible. I know a guy that he's running five of them and linked together, and all he's doing is standing at the trailer and refilling 
change batteries and refill them. Jesus. But he's got to carry a big generator with him to charge batteries because he can't charge them like through your vehicle because they're too much they're juice. Pull, they're pulling too much juice. Hmm. Which the Mavic Three or the Mavic Two, I couldn't get to charge on my truck. It was pulling too much juice, and I think oh, they, really? they figured it out now. Yeah, I charge my Mavic 3 all the time in the truck. It takes forever to charge it in a truck, though. Yeah. You notice that? Yeah. Yeah, I usually it's have forgotten it on the way to a trip, and I'll stop, pull it out, mm-hmm. and plug it in on a seven-hour drive. I so st- I stopped and charged them. One time I was all on the other side of the state filming properties for an auction company, and I had to stop at a Jimmy John's and eat a sandwich. Well, I was charging batteries so I could go fly my one other phone. About like having a Tesla, having to stop every 300 miles to charge your car. I won't ever have one of those. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, dude, we've been talking for almost 40 minutes. Wow. Good times. Heck, yeah. Well, dude, thank you for coming by. Appreciate it. No um, Well, uh, let me know when you know you're going to Kansas. I'd love to come. We need to, we need to make that a special project. Yeah. Because I have, I mean, it's hard for me to do it, like I said, when I'm out there by myself. And I could talk to the Blood Origins guy. that He might be interested in doing something like that. that. That's a special deal. Yeah. Especially pulling that volume of coyotes. Who goes out there with you? A uh, buddy of mine, Brian Kenning. Okay, I think you've um, told me that before. He's trapped with me for five or six years, and there's not a better trapping partner in the world. The guy loves the work and is willing to set traps daylight to dark, and he just loves catching coyotes like I do. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Another, another coyote weirdo like you? No, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Actually, and Al, Al Maddox went with me, too. Okay. Um, Brian, went with, Brian went out with me first, and he had to go back to work. Al came back out, and finished it off with us yeah was, you still running the pioneer i am are you i am I'm, I'm in the i'm in the i'm in the market for possibly getting a side by side here for long and you've yeah. made me want to get a pioneer they're they're legit i didn't take it out to that job but i i take it to south texas that's where i i'll put 150 miles a day on it that's awesome up there um just checking traps but well let me know when that happens we'll do it absolutely all right dude peace yep